Schweitzer, and you are listening to BoxingFreeBox.com's podcast. Uh, for the past few weeks, I've been pretty hard on Oscar De La Hoya. Everything he said, I've torn apart. Every small inconsistency, I've pointed out with uh, much delight. However, a few days ago, I kind of took a step back and thought that a lot of what he's saying, while it is annoying, it's what he's there to do, unfortunately. He's not the fighter, he's the promoter, and the job of a promoter is to hype the fight and to hype his fighter. So, I can't really fault him for that these days. He's done a tremendous job promoting this. I can't think of a big fight in recent years that has had such a huge promotional tour like uh, Mayweather Alvarez has. And I do take my hat off to him for doing such such a tremendous job on this occasion. And I've decided that I will take it easy on that. Uh, Not easy on that, but easy on him. Another reason for doing that is because uh, you may or may not have heard by this point that uh, Oscar De La Hoya has checked himself back into rehab. Yesterday he issued a statement that read, quote, Canelo Alvarez and I have big fights coming up this weekend. His is in the ring and mine is in treatment. I will not be at the fight to cheer Canelo to victory since I have voluntarily admitted myself into a treatment facility. I have explained this to Canelo and he understood that my health and long-term recovery from my disease must come first. Thank you for understanding. I ask for your support and privacy during this difficult time for me and my family." As you probably know, I'm not the biggest fan of Oscar, but I take no pleasure in him going through what he is going through right now. All I and anyone can do at this point is just wish him a speedy recovery and hope that he can overcome this latest obstacle in his life. On to some happier and more exciting news. This past weekend, Chris the Nightmare Areola, whom we last saw losing a unanimous decision to Berman Severn, was able to come back in a big way against Seth Mayhem Mitchell by stopping him in less than one round in a fight that many expected Ariola to win. In fact, I think I picked him to win by KO in round six, but I don't think any of us saw him uh, doing it in less than one round. Um, People like me who were picking Ariola were also concerned that he would come in too heavy, something that he's done in the past, and I'll admit that was a concern of mine. Um, Because... Chris Ariola is a talented heavyweight, but even he'll admit that, you know, sometimes he can be lazy. He said that, I remember reading an interview with him in Ring Magazine, he said that he was lazy in his fight against Adamek, lean up to the training, and even with his fight against Vitaly Klitschko, he said, you know, this was actually the first time that I've started road work. I do remember reading an article like that, and I just thought, you know, you did make a good showing of yourself like for your courage and everything during the Vitaly fight imagine how good you would have done if you had you know started road work like at a decent time in your career which should have been at the beginning and also when you were an amateur but whatever uh anyway we obviously see what a motivated and in shape Chris Ariola can do and he looked to be in decent shape so what's next for Seth Mitchell now Well, he didn't look impressive in this fight, 
A lot of people weren't uh, impressed with his rematch revenge against Jonathan Banks. Uh, he said that he has to go back to the drawing board, so don't be surprised if you don't see him for, you know, six months to a year at least, because he's got a lot of thinking to do. Chris Ariola, well, his career, as I said, got a big shot in the arm, which I think it desperately needed. He could face the winner of David Hay versus Tyson Fury. I think that would be a good uh, matchup. I mean, think of it. I mean, I'm obviously picking David Hay to win that fight, but Tyson Fury and Chris Ariola. Ariola did a lot of trash talking in the lead up to this fight with Mitchell. Imagine the trash talk that would fly between him and Tyson Fury. Um, a lot of people say he would be a good fight against Deontay Wilder, and a big criticism for Wilder is that he needs to step up his competition. I would agree with that. Obviously, we've seen how well Wilder does against older, somewhat washed-up heavyweights who have seen better days. Let's see how he would do against another hard-hitting heavyweight, and let's see if Ariola can bring the same fire, drive, and dedication that he can into a fight with a... Deontay Wilder. But there is another fight out there. Ariola has hinted that he wants, but it might not happen, probably won't happen, and that's a rematch with the first person to beat him, as I mentioned, Vitaly Klitschko. Uh, they fought in 2009, and even though it was one-sided, Ariola won a lot of respect for the courage that he displayed, and also for being incredibly frustrated when the referee stopped the fight in the 10th round. But the reason it may not happen is because K2 Promotions announced this week that Vitaly Klitschko likely has just one fight left. It should take place next year, and chances are it will be against uh, Klitschko's mandatory for the WBC title, Berman Stervain. Uh, it makes sense that Klitschko, or Vitaly Klitschko is going to retire. He is 42. Uh, it's been said that he wants to become the president of Ukraine. He's made a remarkable comeback ever since 2008 when he came back and stopped Sam Peter to win the title. And to be fair, he's looked uh, invulnerable at this point. So it's a good it's a good time to uh, bow out if he thinks that it is. And chances are we will see him in the Hall of Fame one day. But enough about that. Let's get to what we're really here for in this podcast, and that's the latest episode of All Access Mayweather versus Alvarez. And once we're done going over that, which it shouldn't be too long, hopefully, because I did think it was a very boring episode, I'm going to give my predictions on how the fight will go, and I'm also going to give my predictions on Matisse versus Garcia. So, without any further ado, let's get started. The episode begins very similar to how we saw the last one, and that's with the media continuing their coverage of uh, Canelo's camp as well as Floyd's camp. Well, why do you think the weight guy? difference? He's going to come out much bigger than you on fights. It's such a big fight. It feels like the 80s fight. You think this is the toughest fighter you fought? I can't really say at this particular time. It, it'll be here soon. September 14th. All this media here to see you, boy. Does it ever get old? I don't have to sell this fight. It speaks for itself. Everybody. Now, that's something Floyd says a lot, that he doesn't need to sell the fight, that it sells himself. And I've had people say, well, how come if he doesn't need to sell the fight, how come he's doing all the press conferences? That's not so much Floyd selling the fight as it is Floyd selling himself kind of saying, watch me, bet against me, watch how good I am at beating this other guy who is supposed to be the best person out there who has a chance of beating me. That's the difference. 
I think maybe Floyd has bitten off more than he can chew. Do you expect to have an overwhelming majority of the crowd here? Los Angeles by piñatas de Saul Canelo Alvarez, Canelo Mania. If this fight goes your way, you become the best pound for pound fighter in the world. I don't agree with that last part. I... If he beats Floyd, let's just say Canelo beats Floyd, that doesn't really make him the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world. Because I don't know of any people who actually have Canelo on their pound-for-pound pound list. He would certainly, you know, join that list of the top ten fighters in the world, but that wouldn't automatically vault him to number one. That, that, that's just my opinion. If anybody says, no, you've got it wrong, Andrew, well... Feel free to disagree with me, but I have a feeling that I'm right as usual in this case. So now we're going to hear from Oscar De La Hoya, and like I said at the start of the podcast, I'm going to uh, reserve any comments that I have for him this week. I know what Floyd Mayweather doesn't want to hear. In boxing, nobody stays undefeated. I know that I'm going back on my word like five seconds after I said I wasn't going to say anything, but it's just that statement. Nobody retires undefeated. Joe Calzaghe, Ricardo Lopez, Rocky Marciano. You may continue now. He's not 25 anymore. He's not 30 anymore. No, he's 37 years old. As far as Oscar, he's jealous of me. The golden boy is extremely fake. When somebody pokes at me and jabs at me, especially a guy that I fought, deep down inside of me, yes, you know, I want you to lose because it's personal to me. You know, hearing Oscar say stuff like this, and again, I'm not criticizing what he just said, but hearing what he says, and Floyd's no dummy, he knows how Oscar feels, it just kind of makes me wonder why he continues to do business with Oscar. I mean, personally, Floyd's got a a growing promotional company, but he's he's also frequently said, you know, he doesn't need to sell the fight, that the fight sells itself. Why not for his next fight just say to Oscar De La Hoya, yeah, screw you, I'm not uh, going to do business with you, I'm going to do this all on my own, and he can fight... I don't know, let's just, theoretically, he could fight Sergio Martinez. I'm just spitballing here, but, you know, think about that. Martinez isn't a Golden Boy fighter. He's with Lou DiBella. So there you go. Mayweather Promotions and Lou DiBella Promotions, they could do something. I mean, granted, the promotion might not be as big, but a fight between Mayweather and Martinez, that'd be a great fight. And you don't need Oscar for it. And that is what would piss Oscar off the most. And I'm surprised that Floyd has not done anything like that at this point. And maybe he won't. And um, if you follow me on, or if you follow Boxing for Free on Facebook, you'll see that I commented that Floyd Mayweather Jr. might be listening to the podcast because he's pretty much saying what I said in the last podcast. And uh, I'll just let him say that. Oscar tried to give Ricky Hatton the blueprint. Ricky Hatton lost. Oscar tried to give Marquez the blueprint. He lost. Shane Mosley, he lost. Ortiz, Robert Guerrero, they lost. Oscar will try to give Canelo the blueprint, and he will lose. Now we uh, move focus to Canelo's camp, 
and they they're watching the last episode of All Access, and they get to the part where Leonard Ellerby is discussing Canelo's management, how they're supposedly idiots because they asked for the catch weight instead of fighting at 154, and I'll just let it play out. But a different member of the money team has most recently caught Canelo's attention. His management put out something on um, boxing scene that they will be willing to fight at a catch weight. Now, because his management is inept, we take advantage of those kind of things. They put him at a disadvantage. His management did. If you have an idiot manager, <laughs> that's what it is. Por eso tú lo subiste cinco libras, cabrón. Puras mentiras, ¿eh? Ellos querían que bajar hasta. Eran por lo que estaban llorando por el peso, ¿no? Que no y que no. If, you don't, if you're like me and you don't habla espanol and you need subtitles to understand, basically Canelo and his team are saying that it's lies, that it was actually them, or not by them, I mean the money team that asked for the catch weight and that they wanted him to lose more weight. So, unfortunately, I don't have the time nor the energy at the moment to go back and, you know, look for the real truth. But if anybody could forward me that uh, information, I'd be... I'd be really appreciative of it. And unfortunately, this is where the episode gets boring. And by boring, I mean I watched it once and I said afterwards, I have no real desire to want to see that again. I don't really care that the money team only hires attractive women and that sounds like a lawsuit waiting to happen. I don't care about Canelo having a barbecue during the last day of camp. I don't care about him taking his family out to a party. I don't care about them going to see a Little Wayne concert. I mean, that should speak for itself why it's not on the on the broad, broadcast, but uh Sorry, I mean, this is where it's starting to uh, kind of devolve into 24-7 uh, territory in terms of coverage. So, right now, I'm going to talk about my prediction for the fight and how I see it happening. I'm excited for this fight. It's hard not to be given the promotion, the ability of both fighters, their undefeated records, and the always lingering possibility of an upset. However, while a lot of publications and so-called experts see this being a close fight, I'm not one of them. I keep hearing people say majority decision, but I think it's going to be somewhat similar to the Robert Guerrero fight. I think Floyd is going to be very aggressive for the first half of this fight. He'll probably let Canelo get closer than most people would think, and Canelo is probably going to win a few rounds, and the crowd is going to be excited when he lands some body shots. But after the sixth round, I expect Floyd Mayweather to show off excellent ring generalship, use his legs, tee off, give a lot of movement that will make Canelo tired as we saw in the Austin Trout fight. He did have some stamina problems, and from that point on, it's going to be the same thing until the final bell. I see Floyd Mayweather winning a clear unanimous decision of 116 to 112. Now for Garcia versus Matisse for the 140-pound title. Uh, this is a battle that has the potential to be better than most people realize. For one thing, I think Danny Garcia actually has underrated power. Now that's just a personal perspective, mind you, and for all I know, I could be proven otherwise when the fight actually happens, but at the end of the day, I don't see him getting the victory either. 
lot of people were surprised when Lamont Peterson, a superior boxer in ability, was blown away by Matisse, and I think Lucas's power is going to surprise Danny Garcia and carry him to victory. It's going to be an exciting fight, but I don't think it's going to go the distance. I see Lucas Matisse winning by knocking Danny Garcia out in eight rounds. And let's hope that when it comes time to interview him after the fight, he does it without any interruptions from Richard Schaefer. Now, some of you uh, may remember from the last podcast that I mentioned that I was going to try to uh, get a special guest star onto the blog, or onto the podcast, and that special guest was Justin Salvato, who runs Boxing for Free. However, due to uh, scheduling problems on Justin's end, he works very hard, uh, he just wasn't able to make an appearance. However, he did send me an email giving his predictions on the fight, and I'm going to read them word for word. For Garcia Matisse, When I look at Danny Garcia, I see a heavy-handed fighter who is sloppy in some ways. Some fighters keep their lead arm low by style, but from what I can tell, he does it out of laziness. In other words, he has a bad habit which would leave him open to a cross from Lucas Matisse. Matisse has the kind of power that could drop Garcia from a shot like that. On the flip side, that sloppiness from Garcia could be detrimental to Matisse because his wide punches and style make him unpredictable. They are both aggressive fighters, but I give the edge to Matisse for throwing the cleaner punches and having a tighter defense. And that was for uh, Matisse, and he wrote Matisse by decision. Now for Mayweather Alvarez. I find Mayweather fights amusing because you almost never hear the words, quote, Mayweather needs this to win, unquote. Therefore, I will not bother suggesting what he needs to do. Saul Alvarez has a difficult task ahead of him. He's fighting a guy that has seen just about every style of boxer there is. Alvarez's style reminds me of Miguel Cotto, just without the boxing ability. Miguel can box, but most of the time he's an aggressive fighter. Mayweather has beaten Miguel and therefore should beat Alvarez. The only thing in Alvarez's favor is size. He's naturally bigger than Cotto. As for what Alvarez needs to do to Mayweather, when Mayweather is on the ropes, he leans back to get away from punches. That's Alvarez's best shot at stopping Mayweather. When Floyd leans back, Saul needs to throw a wide left hook because at that point Floyd has nowhere to go and will get caught. However, he's picking Mayweather by decision. And obviously there is another episode of All Access. It's uh, going to be... I think airing the day before the fight, but I'm not going to do a review of that simply because there's not going to be enough time to get the material, put it into a podcast, and then have enough time to sufficiently hype it. So those are our predictions for uh, Mayweather Alvarez and the undercard of Matisse versus Garcia. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of BoxingForFree.com's podcast. You can find us at BoxingForFree.com, Twitter.com slash BoxingForFree, YouTube.com slash BoxingForFree, and Facebook.com slash BoxingForFree page. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Zoom, Podbeam, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, please give us feedback and a rating to let everyone know that the BoxingForFree.com podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer, thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time.